Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jig Scott, live from the warehouse here in Orem, 86 East University Parkway. We have jazz gear for you. Stop by and see us. Want to remind you about Zero Res. They leave no dirt attracting residues behind, so your carpets stay cleaner longer. Schedule your cleaning today for $33 per room cleaned, and your fourth room is free. Visit them online, zeroresaltlake.com. We're going to talk to Sam Amick of The Athletic coming up here momentarily. We'll get a kind of a broader view, a national perspective on what's going on with the Jazz losing four in a row yes. at home. Sam is usually early dialed in, so I'm eager to talk with him about what's happening uh, with this particular team and whether he can draw any parallels with other teams that have uh, gone through this kind of deal. Right. And, you know, it's things aren't good. And one thing we're going to have to get to later on in the show is after you have had a day to kind of wh- witness what happened yesterday as far as the starting lineup yes. ordeal, we need to get that, a, get to what that may or may not mean. That could either be absolutely meaningless or it could mean a whole lot. All right, uh, it's time for your daily assist. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you from The Athletic. Of course, our good friend Sam Amick. Hi, Sam. How are you? Doing good, guys. Good to hear from you, as always. Hey, give us your read on uh, what happened yesterday with the Jazz. Uh, if you were following it, there were reports that uh, Mike Conley was going to go to the bench in favor of Royce O'Neal, and then a couple hours later, uh, we find out that actually Mike Conley will remain in the starting lineup. Joe Ingles goes to the bench. Mike actually said that he uh, left shoot around thinking he was going to the bench and then woke up from his nap realizing that he was starting again. But uh, what do you make of that story from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just clearly, and I was tracking it, um, a symptom of some of the struggles going on internally with the Jazz as they try to figure out how to make the puzzle pieces work. You know what I mean? And and to me, the somewhat uncomfortable dynamic here is that the incredible respect that everybody has for Mike Conley and with good reason, um, it feels like that's coloring some of these judgments a little bit in terms of, you know, the kind of that having that, that cold calculus of how should, you know, these basketball players be best used and meaning that like, just let's call a spade a spade. When they got Mike Conley, nobody envisioned him coming off the bench. And that is a tough bridge to cross. Um, and it's probably something that if I was Quinn Snyder and Dennis Lindsay in that group, um, you know, that's, it's hard to, to come back from that, um, except for the fact that, to me, I mean, Mike is universally known as a team guy and somebody who is, is just going to do whatever's best for the squad. But it just it, it reflected to me 
that uncertainty that's going on internally and how to use this roster. And so I wasn't really shocked because this debate about Joe Ingles in particular and the fact that when he was coming off the bench, he wasn't playing his best ball. And then when he was starting, he was. Um, you know, it's just tricky. But these guys, they, they're trying to figure it out at a crucial point of the year. And that's that's the key point there, Sam. If If you're losing games – and Mike Conley has not been particularly effective, and yet he's making the money that he's making with the reputation that he has, with all the pressure that comes with that, and then there is some announcement or some some determination made that he's not going to start, and then the determination is made that, no, he will be starting. It's almost as though there's some arm wrestling going on here, as to what is the most effective way to, 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 for the Jazz to fight their way through this. And in the meantime, they continue to lose games. It's, it's, it's tough, man. I mean, at some point, don't you have to sort of put the money you're paying and the reputation aside in order to do whatever's best for the team to win a game? No, absolutely. And that's where, that's where the NBA is a, it's a tricky league because – you know, just the money and the politics does come into play. It just does, you know. And uh, I know, like in my neck of the woods, you know, one example that comes to mind is the Kings went out. They gave uh, Dwayne Dedman a bunch of money last summer, um, way too much money if you ask me. But then this young guy, Rashawn Holmes, comes along and outplays him in training camp. And it took them a little while, but they ended up giving Rashawn Dwayne's job, even though he made about a tenth of the money. And I guarantee you that their coach, Luke Walton, was thrilled that, that he was able to do that because a lot of times in this league, the, the money, I mean, what it does is it, it the, the fear, this is not a jazz commentary, this is just a reality across the league. The fear for some front office executives would obviously be that, okay, great. So Mike comes off the bench, we turn around, we win 10 in a row. Um, I still don't look good because. I, you know, I, we went out and paid thirty plus million dollars for a six man. That's just not great business, and and so um, I think that is where this gets tricky because you know I don't know where you go in the long term if this is the move that gets made and the move that helps, uh, but in the short term, which should be the priority because this Jazz team was supposed to contend. You, I do think, uh, you, and certainly I'm sure the coaches agree, you got to do what's best for this season right now. Sam, why do you think that the Conley thing hasn't worked? I mean, it, some, there are times out there when he looks like he doesn't either feel comfortable or even know where he should be going. It's, it's kind of strange for a guy with the universal respect that he has. I can't speak to it. I mean, I, I talked to Mike briefly about it. Early in the season, I know that you know you, we've talked about that on this show. The, the perspective that I gleaned at that time, um, you know, my best guess would be. I mean, I don't have a ton to offer there, Gordon, other than the obvious, which is when you just a, from a life standpoint, when you are in one environment for so long, uh, maybe part of what we're learning the hard way here is that it's just an incredibly tough adjustment to get out of those habits and. and Mike and I had talked about how everything from the lingo about play calls to uh, this, the systemic stuff uh, and the way they function 
and the feel within your teammates and the feel with the coaching staff, it's hard to develop that. And you're developing, uh, developing it or trying to with some pressure applied because of not only your contract, but just the hype around what it meant that you were coming to town. So I don't know. I think that it's there are some guards in this league also where it, it is a, an inexact science to figure out who you should put them next to. And I'm talking about Donovan Mitchell because as great as he is, you know, we've seen it with a Ricky Rubio type, and there were times when that was really good, but then everybody focused on the shooting and and thought that a, a different breed was better. Um, but, you know, part of this is, you know, and like a guy like Luka Doncic comes to mind. Like I've talked to people recently about, you know, what guards uh, should you be putting next to Luka because as great as he is, you know, he's not going to necessarily augment other people who are on the wing. So um, that's where we're looking at this saying Mike and Donovan, clearly it's not just Mike and Donovan, but that pairing has not been great. And defensively, as good as Mike is on that end, uh, the, the Jazz right now, they need more size, they need more length, and, and they certainly, as an aside, they need that big fellow in the middle to get back to doing what he does because you know, Rudy has not looked great lately. Kind of on a, uh, on that note, Sam, Sam Amick of The Athletic with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Teams have been playing uh, the Jazz five out, and they've been getting Rudy out of the paint. And it feels like uh, the Rockets really did this uh, about a month ago when Eric Gordon scored 50 points, and other teams have, have really been duplicating it, including Phoenix the other night when DeAndre Ayton got in foul trouble and had to leave the floor. But anyway, that, that aside, teams are doing that to Rudy. And, of course, we've seen the trend where the big seems to be less and less valuable or at least teams are going away from the big. How complicated of a decision is it going to be for the Jazz and Rudy on the future going forward when the league is changing around him and his position? Uh, potentially very complicated. The timing of the question is interesting, Jake, because I'm sitting here staring at a computer screen where I'm writing a, a story about P.J. Tucker. And I've been... I talked to the Rockets big man about this topic recently, and and this is kind of perfect for the jazz audience. And to your question, um, PJ and I, and for the listeners who might somehow not know, you know, he is the small center who the Rockets have gone with and who essentially is, you know, they are trying to revolutionize the game or some might say wreck the game by getting big men off the floor. PJ is a six foot five, 250 pound forward who is now being asked to guard all of the biggest and the baddest dudes in the NBA. And as, as we talked, he made the point, he says, listen, this would be tougher if it was back in the day, but it's not like I got to go guard Shaq. Like there's no Shaqs anymore. And I actually brought Rudy up and I was like, all right, well, how about a Rudy Gobert? And I said, I got that. And I was focusing on, on, you know, the length, the weight, all of it. He wasn't tripping about the length, but he said, he's like, how, how big is Rudy? And I said, oh, about 265. And he just shrugged. He's like, I'm 250. Like, it's nothing. You know, like he, he just acted like it was nothing at all. And, you know, whether it's Rudy and the Jazz or, um, you know, teams like that, you mentioned Aiden. I mean, the Nikola Jokic's of the world, the Nuggets big man, are going to be just fine because they're playmakers, they're shooters, they're doing, you know, those types of things, um, the DeAndre Jordans, the uh, you know, and, and Rudy is a much better version of that. 
um, it is going to be hard because if the Rockets are successful in the playoffs, then what you might see is that it's a copycat league. And I don't know if they have to win a championship for this to be the case or just get deep into the conference finals or something like that. But uh, And I'm stealing perspective from Jared Dudley from the Lakers said this on a podcast the other day, and, and it really got my attention. He said very plainly that the future of the big man is is being decided in these playoffs. And you look at a team like the Rockets, does it go that direction? Or, you know, the, the Jazz or the Lakers with all the size that they have, uh, I think it's going to make this postseason really interesting. Sam, uh, Jake and I were talking earlier as far as the game with Boston and the Jazz last night. In that game, Donovan Mitchell put up 30, was it 32 shots, Jake? Or 35? Uh, 30 to 32, 32, I believe it was. Yeah, 32, 15 to 32. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a lot of shots for him. And especially, you know, that Jazz offense, you've seen it enough to know that they like to get into that blender motion, passing the ball, and, and get defenses kind of off balance from that perspective. Boyan Bogdanovich was not shooting straight. Joe Ingles was either not shooting straight or unwilling to shoot. And Donovan put up 32 shots. He also led the team in assists, however. But we were talking about from a leadership standpoint, what is a player like that supposed to do when he's looking around and other people are either struggling with their accuracy or their willingness to shoot the ball? Is he supposed to put up 32 shots? Is that what a leader does? Or is he supposed to keep passing the ball and stay you know, stay back and, and wait for the other guys to come around? It's a tough answer to that one. I mean, I don't, you know, in terms of just how those numbers hit me, um, that's about as efficient a 32-shot night as you can have. I mean, 15 out of 32 you know, that that's going to be above his season-long clip, if I had to guess. He's yeah. probably in the mid-40s. Um, so, you know, this is not an old-school bad night at the office for the late great Kobe Bryant where it's, you know, 6 of 32, where, you know, those nights in Allen Iverson, players like that, high volume, low efficiency. And beyond that, I mean, what you alluded to, Gordon, is really important. Like, Joe Ingles comes to mind. I love Joe's game. I don't quite understand at different times, uh, you know, how a guy can be such a proficient three-point shooter but but looks just kind of have it come and go like it does when it comes to his willingness or his interest in, you know, using that part of his game. Bogdanovich is another one. If you're not out there scoring the ball, what is he doing? That's, what, that's why they signed him. That's why they got him. Um, you know, Donovan, going into this year, when I talked to him at Team USA training camp in L.A., Going into the season, he was pretty fired up about having this kind of help. And he did not, he's not, you know, he, for me, he's never come off as somebody who is going to not try to make the most of the supporting cast, especially if it's a good supporting cast. And let's not kid ourselves, we all thought this was a good supporting cast coming into the year. So I can't put my finger on why they are functioning this way and why he would feel like he's got to carry the load. Because I don't think it's selfishness. He, he's not a selfish player. And, you know, it's, it's just something happening with, they call it their confidence, call it their chemistry between them, that it's just not, it's not there. And it's showing, for the most part, every time out right now. Uh, looking at the NBA nationally a little bit, Sam, with uh, Steph Curry possibly being able to come back, where do you fall on that side of play him or not play him? Because I really can see arguments from both sides. Um, I'm probably a little too close to it in terms of 
you know, I've been around the Warriors recently. I've heard their point of view. They, you know, I mean, the, sure, you, you're trying to get as good a pick as possible. I get that. Uh, but first of all, it's a championship organization that is trying not to fall off the cliff all the way in that regard. You know, they're hoping to be back by next season. And I think culturally, it's just, you you know, they're not wired that way. They're not wired to leave a two-time MVP on the bench because they're trying to get a good pick because the reality is if they get where they believe they can go next year, then there's no player in this upcoming draft that's going to make any sort of actual impact on their team next season, even if they get the best guy in the field. So I just don't think that's who they are as an organization right now. Now, the irony there and the hypocrisy is that it wasn't too long ago that they were that kind of an organization and they were doing that very thing in order to to, to move up in the draft and, and get some of the guys that, you know, when they traded, uh, I'm forgetting the deal, the Harrison Barnes deal. Um, but anyway, they've been there before. and, and But right now that's not where they are. And Steph, I think, also needs time to just figure out where his game is and put his his mind in a certain place going into the summer. I mean, this is a, a long time away for him, and he's going to be extremely important to them next season, like always. And I don't think they like the idea – of him having to figure everything out from training camp on next year. Sam, let me ask you a question and then explain why I'm asking it. Uh, other than the Bucks, the Lakers, and the Clippers, what teams are out there that you think could be legitimate threats? Because, and here's why I'm asking it, we saw the Celtics last night, as we were talking about, without Kimba Walker. Now, I'll tell you what, the way Jason Tatum is playing right now, that team looks dangerous uh, what do you what do you make of these others like the Raptors and the Celtics and and the Heat and the Nuggets and the Rockets? Uh, what is there any or anybody out there that's uh, pressing your button? Probably Boston and the Rockets. The Rockets you can call it gimmicky, um, but if you know the, the the one win that they had over the Lakers right after they traded their big man Clint Capella to Atlanta and got. Robert Covington back, and they took this whole small ball strip, you know, approach to the maximum. Um, it got my attention that they played as well as they did against the Lakers, obviously a team they could see in the playoffs. So, you know, and right now they've won seven out of nine after the trade, five in a row. They look good. Russell Westbrook is playing the best ball of his career. He's not shooting threes, which is huge. He's just running roughshod down the lane. Um, so the Rockets, I would put, you know, on kind of the second tier. To me, everybody's below Milwaukee. And Boston is legit. You know, the Jason Tatum thing has been fun to watch. And I think what bodes well for the Celtics going forward is that when Kemba Walker gets back, personality-wise, this is a guy who is a far cry from Kyrie Irving from an ego standpoint. I think he's going to have no problem at all making, you know, making room for Jason Tatum to be a superstar when he gets back, and they seem to have a great vibe, have more joy in their locker room this year. They've got their limitations. Um, you know, they could use Al Horford back if, if Al hadn't gone off to Philly where it was a terrible fit with the Sixers. You know, I don't know how they're going to guard Giannis in a possible playoff series. But Boston's very good. I, I still, though, I really think that we continue to sleep on the Bucks in terms of how good they are. They just wiped the floor with Toronto after being down, I think, 14 at one point uh, the other night. That was an impressive win. 
on a back-to-back. You know, it was a little puzzling why they struggled so much against the Wizards. That one I certainly didn't expect to see. But, you know, they're still on pace to win almost 71 games. I actually looked at it today. And, you know, if they, you know, somebody made the point to me today, if they had won a championship previously, then the level of hype around this season would be similar to when the Warriors were pushing for 73 wins. Um, But I think part of the reason there's not a ton of noise is because nobody believes in the Bucs because they've never done it before. And I get that, but... You know, they just are historically dominant right now. And, and I think, you know, that I, I was putting my mortgage on anything. It would be to see those guys in the finals. Sam, as always, thank you very much for a few moments. We really appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Catch you next week, Sam. Sam Amick, senior NBA writer for The Athletic. One of the best. One of the best, for sure. Very insightful thoughts on what's going on with the Jazz as well. You know, and they, they invested a lot into this situation. And the, the fact remains, they still have to just figure it out, Gordon. I mean, it may be a little more challenging than we would have thought, but still. That that last part is absolutely 100% accurate. I mean, I didn't see this coming. No. I, I had no clue. I, I thought this was going to be a good move. I certainly understand why the Jazz thought that. You had them penned into the finals. I know. No, I didn't do that. But uh, I certainly thought they were going to be ahead of where they are now, as, as, particularly as it pertains to this key element. Well, Andy had Donovan Mitchell scoring 35 points a game. I mean. That's not what I said. <laughs> I said 25. You did not because you said 28. And then the number we settled on was 26. Was it? Okay. You had to come down. 26. Mm-hmm. Well, I was being reasonable. You know, I didn't want to be outlandish. You? Never. And let's see, what is he averaging? I think it's like 24 and a half. A little bit ahead of that, isn't it? After last night? We'll have to go after know. last night. <laughs> All right, joining us now, our good friend Tom from the warehouse. We're here in Orem, 86 East University Parkway. Price is so low, it will blow your mind. I, Tom. Checked, I checked this morning. His average went up one-tenth of one <laughs> I'm never going to complain about Donovan Mitchell shooting too much because of our bet. Yeah, that's true. Go, you're, Donovan. You're, keep shooting, you're baby. You're personally invested. That yeah, is a fact. Yeah. Uh, just like uh, people need to come down here and uh, – and uh, invest a little something in the uh, the best furniture. Uh, this this is uh, one of the very best weeks to buy furniture. We extended our presence week. We did it last week that we'd extend it this whole week. So everything is on sale. We've got incredible deals. Uh, we've got a couple of those sofas with the console left with double recliner for $399. We've got bunk beds starting at a... Uh, I've got a metal bunk bed that I can do for $129. We've got uh, the very best mattress deals in town, typically 50 to 80% off, and then adjustable beds. We had another customer come in and talk to me. Uh, I guess it was Monday, 630s, quarter to 7, and they were out looking for... Uh, an adjustable bed. They saw them at the home show. They've been wanting one for three or four years, and they finally decided it's time to do it. The wife uh, was a nurse, and she has got some issues where her feet are swelling, and they thought she needs to elevate them every night. 
So they were at one of our competitors, and it was $6,600, regular $8,000, and they gave them this incredible deal. The husband heard our show last Saturday. All right. And he said, honey, let's at least go check this place out to see if it's real. They came in. I sold them the very best setup for $2,900, king, split, adjustable, massage, head up, foot up, USBs, all of the bells, all of the whistles. And she said, I like this mattress better. It feels better to my body. So we have incredible deals. Yes, we are legitimate. We've been in business a long time. We're not going to be here today and gone tomorrow. Everything has full factory warranty. And the prices are the very best prices. Candidly, I have some of the very best prices on adjustable beds in the entire country. Take advantage of it. 86 East University Parkway or, of course, in Salt Lake, 1967 South, 300 West. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you, my friend. We'll have more coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 of the Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you, visit Ken Garf, West Valley Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram for great deals and even better experiences. We're here at the warehouse in Orem, 86 East University Parkway. Stop on by and see us. We have jazz gear for you. We have stars tickets. And, of course, prices so low, it'll blow your mind. We're hanging out here at the warehouse. All right, Gordon, I, we, we kind of teased this before we talked to Sam, and I want to get your thoughts now that we're a day removed from really what was a bizarre day yesterday in Jazzland. And we've talked a lot about what happened during the game, but what happened yesterday with uh, the reports from Tony Jones and Sham Sharania and The Athletic that Mike Conley would go to the bench and Royce O'Neal would come into the starting lineup only to be, I guess, updated a couple of hours later Indeed. with Mike Conley was back into the starting lineup and uh, Joe Ingles would go to the bench. Now, we know that there were le- there was legitimacy to those reports because Mike Conley in the post game said he was told at shoot-around that he was coming off the bench, took a nap, got up, and was told that he was back in the, in the starting lineup. So there was certainly validity to the report from The Athletic. Right. It was not a reporting error. Now, we do not know what happened between him and there (laughs) indeed but something happened now Mm -hmm. kendrick perkins who is uh, obviously a former nba player he is doing some work with espn but i i don't know if i would call him a journalist but he certainly has been active in the media but he Mm -hmm. had this to tweet and i'm I'm curious to your reaction to not only his tweet but also george carl who retweeted it and had a comment okay are you ready for this yes kendrick perkins said this quinn snyder wanted to move conley to the bench and write so because when he was out with an injury the jazz was playing some of the best basketball in the league front office was like oh hell nah we paying this guy 32 million this year he's going to start that's what kendrick perkins said now here was george carl's retweet and comment george carl of course the legendary nba coach said I would have had a serious problem if a GM or owner messed with my rotations. It's a new world. Coaches should be allowed to do the coaching, even a dookie. 
<laughs> nice little shot there at the end. Now, again, I, now, Gordon, I don't want to speak for for you, but I don't know exactly what happened yesterday. I, I, I didn't either. Why that was changed. But what do you think about Kendrick Perkins' comment? Well, oh, yeah, and let me make this clear. I have not talked with anyone uh, inside the Jazz organization about what took place. I have no idea. I'm not speaking from any perspective of someone saying something to me that I am now a proponent of. But can we talk in the world of ifs? Let's do. If what uh, Kendrick Perkins said there is true, then that is bothersome to me. I understand that the Jazz have always been an outfit that uh, works together to come to good conclusions on decisions and whatnot. And I have no problem with, for instance, Quinn Snyder sharing his opinion with Dennis Lindsay and, and Justin Zanuck about personnel moves. No problem. And I have no problem with Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck uh, who have suggestions to Quinn Snyder about uh, uh, strategy, about things that happen on the floor. But ultimately, I think Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck should make the moves that they think are best for the team to make. And Quinn Snyder should be allowed to make the call about who's going to play in a freaking game. That's his job, right? That is his job as a coach. So he should be allowed to do that, just as Dennis and Justin should be allowed to make the calls on who they're going to acquire or trade, whatever. That's their job. When it bleeds over like that, maybe I'm living in my 100-acre wood, but I, I just do not think that that is, a, is the way it should be. And again, I'm, I'm 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 speaking in the world of if here because I do not know what took place. So that's just my opinion about roles, and I would say that on any team with any the 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 people who are involved uh, in a situation like that, if they were involved in this way, it doesn't matter. That that's just the way I would look at things from the standpoint of uh, I like communication, and, and these guys are all smart guys. But I, I don't really like bleeding over into a point where something could be vetoed in that particular area of expertise. So I want to explain why we're talking about this. For is a that second. fair? No, I, I think it is. Now, now Jeff tweets into the show, and I get this, and there's a reason I want to read this tweet. Jeff goes, Kendrick Perkins is an idiot. Don't listen to anything he says. Well, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, know. I don't know either, and, and I can understand why, why somebody would have that opinion. And I actually like that Kendrick Perkins is, is really opinionated uh, on the shows he's on and, uh, and on Twitter, but that certainly does not make him right all the time. But here, here's the thing. Quinn Snyder told his player that he was going to be coming off the bench. This is this is not a conversation that Quinn Snyder would take lightly, and this would not be a step that he would take unless for one reason or another that he felt it necessary. Mm. Now, we know that happened. Here's what I don't know, but I'm going to infer a little bit, right? 
So Quinn Snyder would have not have done that had he was just going to change his mind two hours later. So it is curious, and I understand why people, us amongst them, would ask, so why did that happen? Because that's very out of character, not only very out of character for an NBA franchise, but particularly out of character for this NBA franchise, where since the days of Jerry Sloan, the coach, when it comes to things like rotations, uh, has the the buck stops with the coach, and these other things have not historically been a factor when it comes to this particular basketball team. Right. And you could make an argument that the one time it has was uh, during the J- Darren Williams versus Jerry Sloan situation, and we saw how badly that ended. Mm-hmm. So traditionally that has not been the case with this Jazz team. So I certainly understand why we would all ask why that that would happen yesterday and wonder if that's a sign of maybe some things that are going wrong with this club. I think those are perfectly fair questions to ask because that was weird yesterday. I'll agree with that. And look, let me tell you, I like these guys. I like Dennis Lindsay. I like Justin Zanuck. I think both of those men are really, really smart. And Quinn Snyder, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the smartest guys I've ever been around. They're very good at what they do. But ultimately, if, and again, this is if, because I don't know, Kendrick knows what the heck he's talking about here. Uh, You know, I have no idea which direction this decision went. I don't know if, if, uh, if Quinn made a decision and then Dennis and Justin got involved in it, or whether... Uh, Dennis and Justin made a decision, and then Quinn got involved. In I, I don't know nothing about nothing, but I do know that you don't step on the toes of the responsibilities of of a coach or of any front office people. I mean, this is what they were hired to do, and and if, if people are, if you hire somebody to do something, and then you start telling them how to do it, that that how is that going to end in a positive way? It's not. And the problem is, is and I'm picturing uh, what's, the, what's that George Clooney movie, the Coen Brothers movie, where he keeps saying, we're in a tight spot. I you know what I, old I, brother, I we're out there. Oh, old brother, we're out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, we're in a tight spot. Okay, yeah. Listen, the Jazz are in a tight spot. They've pushed all their resources into the middle. They've said, we've invested in this year and next year. We know that the Jazz needed another piece. They add Mike Conley. They add Boyan Bogdanovich. They spend their resources doing so. They have a certain amount of years with salary flexibility with Donovan and Rudy. Mm-hmm. And they said, this is it. Yes. And it's not going well. And- so, so how do they manage that? And that's various responsibilities that you're so uh, eloquently laying out. But the problem is, is that it, the time is now. And I think that I, I don't know if they know exactly what to do. Yeah. And, and I certainly understand from a personnel standpoint, I certainly understand why they did what they did. You were advocating for it at the trade well, deadline it, last well, year. Well, it just seems logical. So if it doesn't work, then, I mean, I'm as surprised as anybody. But that doesn't change the fact if it's not working. <laughs> I mean, if it's not working, then you, then what do you do? Uh, this is what, in my opinion, this is what I would not do. I would not play a player or have a player involved in a starting lineup to save face or for political reasons. Okay, so look I, at I, it. And I also understand that there's a bigger picture here. I understand what are the Jazz going to do next year? Uh, you know, Mike's got another year on his contract that's for how much? 
Uh, $34 million. $34 million. So uh, how is this all going to play out in the long run? I know those are decisions, but right now, because of what you said, all these chips being pushed into the middle and this intention, this, uh, this talk from guys like Donovan and Rudy about not just contending for a title, but winning a freaking championship. I mean, this is things, these are things that have come from the team. It's not just you and me saying, you know, that's a heck of a good move the Jazz made. It's not the outsiders during the offseason that were going, wow, the Jazz really are a dark horse now to win it all. I mean, this is this is coming from inside. Yeah, but I mean, what you said a week ago when we were arguing about uh, Mike Conley missing a game because it was a back-to-back, and you mm-hmm. said he has to be on the court because they've got I, to uh, get get. Uh, he's got to get cohesion with the rest of the team and all that. I agree. I, I mean, that, that all remains true, though. But, but I thought that then. But now I'm wondering. I, I mean, it's getting bad. That it still remains a fact. I, I, it still remains a fact. But how long are you gonna? How long are you gonna? <laughs> Allow this thing to to uh, just absolutely sink. Now the rest of the season, because the the what difference does it make? Probably ends in the first round either way, unless you get it to work. So, okay. So, what conclusion can we draw from that? Uh, is it better to to uh, eliminate the pro- or to lessen the problem, or is it better to uh, nurture the problem until it <laughs> until it comes around, if it ever will? So is it better to suture the wound or leave those cotton balls crammed in there? <laughs> you, honestly, they have to get Mike Conley going. It has to happen. And if he if he isn't comfortable going to the bench or whatever, I mean, you got to work with it. You got they, they have no other choice, none. Because but, because you you bench Mike Conley and then what? You're no better than you were last year. You're probably worse potentially. If guys like Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich aren't going to shoot the ball well. Right. Yeah, I, I guess. Well, see, this is the beauty of the argument. And who knows? Maybe this argument was being had on the uh, in the inner bowels. And you can see, you can see, <laughs> you can see arguments for both sides. See, now- do you want to win tonight? Because you're, 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 you're losing. And you're losing. And, or do you want to, do you want to, Take the shots now and and lose now for maybe what you think might come of it later on. I mean, the Jazz have a couple of really winnable games coming up here. They have uh, the Wizards, who you would expect them to be to win the, the game. They you expect them to win. I hate it when people say that you are you going to win them. That bugs me. I don't yeah, like that's that. Not correct. No, it's not. Uh, but the Wizards, and then they have the Knicks on the road, don't they? Yep. I mean, those are two games coming up that, that I mean, they have to win those games, don't they? Just for out of well, self-respect. You, you would have said the same thing about the Suns. I would have. Yet here we are. So, here we are. Yeah, there you go. So so what do you do, Jake? If it goes, you, uh, at what point do you pull the plug? If, 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 if this continues on, uh, four straight losses at home, if it continues, then what, what, what are you going to do then? You're just going to hang on to, well, Mike Conley has to be an integral part of this, and if we lose the next four games, fellas, then uh, we're sticking with it. Where, where, do you, where is the line that if you cross that line, then you, you, you say enough's enough? There isn't one. Not this season. So would you, if, if what Kendrick is saying is factual – 
then then you're saying that uh, it was it was appropriate uh, for it to be changed. No, I, I if you just have to write it out like you're talking about, then you chalk it up as a failure. But at least you, you know, Austin says it all the time. At least you went down swinging, and then you figure out if you can get maneuver your way out of thirty-four million bucks next year. Hmm. That's, I mean, but there's nothing else to do. What else are you going to do? You, you're gonna you're gonna get into the Western Conference Finals because you benched Mike Conley. Is well, that all yeah, going to happen? When you say bench Mike Conley, are you really talking about benching him, or are you talking about not starting him? Because it's not like I don't think anybody got to a point where they were saying, "Okay, Mike, that's it. You're at the end of the bench. You ain't playing anymore." It was just a role that was considered right. you for want, altering. Okay, we can get into this later because we're up against it. But but now you're advocating for Mike Conley to become a role player. I mean, it's the same thing. Well, isn't that kind of what he is? They need more. They need him to be more than that. That fact still remains. <laughs> okay. All right. That That hasn't changed. And if the Jazz lose 11 straight, you're going to be saying the same thing. It's because they're going nowhere. <laughs> well, yeah, they're going be, somewhere. They're going down. Without him, they're going down too. It's the same. It's the same answer. It's the same outcome. But, but if we were talking, as but we did, you'd the feel a little bit better if, about it. If we were talking earlier about the whole about about what's the Jazz's number one problem right now, it's defense. Then you might understand why you might put Royce O'Neal into the starting lineup in order to shore that up. I agree. That's why I've been advocating for Joe to come off the bench for quite some time now, if you'd recall. All right. <laughs> We're live from the warehouse. Come see us, 86 East University Parkway. I uh, want to remind you, purchase a Ford fan zone. All you can eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game. Receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as 37 bucks a ticket. Visit utahjazz.com uh, <clears throat> com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford fan zone. All you can t- eat tickets now. Not Sports Report next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Uh, yeah, my voice took a hit. My voice took a hit yeah, once or twice a year. It's the worst when your voice is like, it takes a shot. You go to meet people and they look at you and they're like, what is the matter with you? It's like, well, I mean, obviously this is not how I sound usually. Could you do the produce preakness like that? They're coming soon? around the apple, around the left field wall, and we're going to get through this. <laughs> and now here comes the corner of the comb, fighting all the way to the finish line. Banana trips over the mound, and it's going to be the apple. Is the victor? <laughs> and, uh, congratulations to the apple corner of the club in second. Carrot is in third. Yeah, it's about what it would sound like. Yeah. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now, your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Monson, Jake Scott, 975, 12 in the zone, live at the warehouse, 86 East University Parkway, right here in Orem. Stop by and see us. We'll tell you more about that coming up here momentarily, but let's get to the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Don't forget, Mark Pope is going to be on the show at 530, so you're going to want to make sure and listen to that. But Gordo, until then, where are we going today? Well, we're going to Disneyland, and then we're going to uh, pose a question that uh, is uh, 
aimed squarely at parents. Okay. Okay. First one is, did you see the video online you did because I showed it to you, of the boat that was in the Jungle Cruise at Disneyland? Well, it sank. It sank. It sank. Is that with that, a bunch of people on it? No way. That Are you serious? Disgusting. That's my it's, dream job: is to drive what? the Jungle Cruise boat. I'm not kidding. Well, it sank. A boat sank, and a video I saw. There's headhunters there. It was playing for the music. The music from Titanic. <laughs> What's that real sappy song that uh, Celine Dion sings? Uh, my heart will go on. Yeah. <laughs> the Jungle Cruise boat is sinking. Now, is that too soon? Because 1,500 people lost their lives, you know. The the Titanic? Yeah. You mean like 1907 Titanic? 1912. Two, uh, 210 or uh, too soon? 1912. <laughs> As the Jungle Cruise boat sinks. Have a happy day here at Disneyland. You know those guys in the front of the boat that are supposedly, you know, it, it's become so tired now that now they do the comedy routine. I haven't been to Disneyland. Yes, in a while. that's that's it's my dream job. It, it, because you know they can't say, "Well, here's the elephants coming up on the left," because that's just dumb to say now. How did it sink? I had a hole in it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know how. Why it sank? It just sank. It wasn't part of the story that you found to say why it I don't sank. No, I didn't. Know that river's only what details. four feet deep at the most, right? <laughs> I'm not like I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, but they got live alligators in there and crocodiles and stuff, don't they? Nah, they're Disney alligators. They they uh, they they have their SAG card. And doesn't the <laughs> doesn't the hippo come and open its mouth and squirt you with the water? I don't know. Spoiler alert. The hippo could have taken a bite out of right. Maybe the hippo the, the bit hippo the boat. The boat. <laughs> I don't know. And here's the other part of this, and this will resonate with a lot of our listeners out there. A study was done, fellas, of 2,000 parents of school-age children. You know what they found? They found that 76% believe they are better parents than their own parents were. Hmm. Okay, so let me ask you this. Do you feel that way about your children? My children... Are they better parents than you They were? think they're going to be. No, no, no. That's not what I asked. <laughs> See, here's the thing. You learn from the way your parents raise you, right? And you take the good, uh, you take the good uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and add that to your good, and you eliminate the bad, right? So you think you're doing a better job. But are kids growing up today a whole lot better than kids that grew up, uh, you know, in our generation? Or I'm clumping us all together because you've, I mean, Sadie's not school age yet, but you're a parent. Are uh, Lauren and Eric doing it better than you did? Well, I know Eric is, but as a couple. Well, my 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 daughter Lauren is an absolute rock star. Uh, she she is a fantastic parent. Uh, my son-in-law, I don't know. Maybe I'm kidding. Wow, that I'm was kidding. cold. I'm kidding. Cold I'm blooded. kidding. Yes, they work together as a team, and they're doing a fine job. But I'm, all these people but who are essentially it. saying, oh, yeah, I'm doing 76% believe they're better parents than their own parents were. Look how were. upset you are. You're, well, like, insulted by this. 
Well, I mean, I just seem doesn't that seem kind of presumptuous? Yes, very presumptuous. I mean, did did maybe they were better parents because they raised a bunch of arrogant jerks? Who? The parent the, the parents who now think they're better parents than their than their parents were. They all raised jerks? <laughs> you don't follow the bouncing ball very well, do you? <laughs> Tom knew exactly what I was saying. I don't think anybody yes, knew exactly did. what you were saying. The, if, okay, they studied two thousand. They surveyed two thousand parents of school aged children, and they and of those two thousand parents, seventy six percent believe that they are better parents than their own parents were. And and and, and so I'm saying, is that, it presumptuous to think that your generation was the better parenting? Better, better parents? No, no. I'm looking at my my, my You're parents. You're judging the next generation. Yes, got it. As, which is the point Not of this yourself. whole thing. And so, but I'm saying maybe they are right because those parents, of which they are disparaging, raised a bunch of arrogant jerks who think they're better. So does that make Brian a jerk or not? <laughs> Brian, our on-site engineer. Is he in the jerk class? I don't know who's in the jerk class, but I think the people, 76% of the 2,000 who think that they're better parents than their parents were. Uh, wait a minute. I mean, let's ask the parents who are the better parents. So the parents are a jerk? <laughs> Never mind. I'm confused. Uh, you know what I'm not confused about? Saving money at the warehouse. Jake. Six East University Parkway here in You Orem. are being difficult, man. You yes. aren't following any of that. Oh, I either, did. Tom. So, so my dad let me ride in the car without a seatbelt, and I didn't die. And I suggest that to my kids, and they say, you're an awful parent. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Well, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I would suggest everybody buckle up. Oh, man. Well, anyway, we're glad you have us out here, Tom. We always love coming out here. We always love uh, seeing our listeners down here in Orem at the at the new store. And you've got deals going on coming up. We have age. deals that are incredible. Mattresses starting at 99 bucks. Bed frames, 29 bucks. Sofas, 299 How about queen bedroom sets for 499 Dining room sets, 299 How about an additional... We're going to give you 20% off any yellow and pink tag today and tomorrow and Saturday only. All right. Only. And that's Utah's already best price. How about we're going to do the Austin nightstand again? I have, see that stack against the wall? There's 11 of them. I just counted them. Austin nightstand, solid wood. They're regular, 149 bucks, $49. Sweet. But that's not all. How about a queen adjustable bed, $499. A king head-up, foot-up, gel-infused memory foam mattress, $899. And then if you want the daddy of them all, the split king, two mattresses to choose from, incredible mattresses. This is an $8,000 value. Uh, I told you about the customer um, last break. We're going to do it for $25. 99 sweet it doesn't have the lumbar but that's an incredible price with every feature how about last but not least we had a customer just come in they heard us on the break they needed a new reclining sofa with a console they made a u-turn as they heard us came back to the store they found it for 499 all right i'm dying i'm gonna cough Everywhere, <laughs> everywhere else they were looking, it was thousand bucks. 
Come and see us. We will save you money. This is the best week to buy furniture because we've extended our Presence Day weekend sale. All right, get by here, 86 East University Parkway in Orem, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake. More of the big show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.